0: Welcome to South London Hardcore. My name's Jack McEnroy, my co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. I guess this week, many-time returning guest, but it's been a while, Owen Pomery. Hello. Welcome to the show, Owen.
1: Thank you very much, it's good to be back.
0: And it's good to probably have us back, listeners are thinking. they probably added that, Steve, aren't they? <laughs> On their commutes. We'll catch listeners up with your work, Owen, later in the show, but so they can sort of browse while they listen, just get a flavour... For your output, what are your links, Owen? I
1: mean? Absolutely. Um, obviously, for all the main body of work, go to owenpomery.com, uh, Twitter, OD Pomery, Instagram, OD Pomery. We're like a trio of Bob Harris's
0: here, aren't we, Steve? Just whispering <laughs> in, man. So we're at the Newport Street Gallery in uh, the Vauxhall area, just between Vauxhall Bridge and Lambeth Bridge we're in pharmacy two which is the coffee shop attached to the gallery what do you reckon steve
2: not big on the pharmacy stuff generally
0: really like
2: yeah yeah i don't i think it's sort of thing where i don't get it i don't see what it's doing in terms of art It's a decorative thing like hills look interesting don't they they're sort of fun and colorful and weird shapes i think you
0: answered your own question
2: okay yeah
1: yeah but i find all that kind of iconography quite disconcerting I'm not a hypochondriac but like I don't like <laughs> to think about anything medical at any time I feel uncomfortable in a hospital
0: yeah if you get over to the bar you can't see it from here but there's like medical equipment underneath yeah, the I'm glass not, not down with that no I was in the welcome collection recently and there's like antique medical equipment there and it just makes you feel sick man but I think this is I really like this man bright colours Um, Yeah,
2: I think I've sort of convinced myself with the talk of bright colours and funny shapes. I'm like, that's art, isn't it? Essentially.
0: This is almost my favourite part of coming in. (laughs) Well,
2: it's coffee in it, which you do enjoy.
0: So I think we'll talk first about the current exhibition, which runs until the 1st of September. That's John Bellany and Alan Davey, Cradle of Magic, which I imagine you probably had that down as an album title you were going to use, Steve.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was it was a title that immediately got me excited about the show because I think oh, this is going to be fun, esoteric imagery. I it was sort of thought it would be something I would have a bit of a handle on going into. Whereas with a lot of sort of art, and particularly sort of uh, modernish twentieth, twenty-first century art, I don't necessarily have the same handle on it.
0: Then we'll talk about the gallery and talk about some of the past exhibitions which we've all uh, been to. Alan Davy was an abstract expressionist from Scotland, is that right?
2: That's right, yeah. Grangemouth, I think it was. But uh, apparently grew up uh, in a sort of fishing community, very sort of Calvinistic, so there's a lot of, uh, I imagine, hardship and uh, discipline. It's interesting that his art becomes very expressive and radical, almost sort of like lashing out against that sort of background. But sort of, I guess, retaining a sense of the wild that you'd get in sort of the more remote parts of Scotland
0: hmm what were your impressions I mean
1: of Alan Davy yeah are you familiar with his work prior to his? not wildly although some of the pieces did seem quite familiar so I must have seen it more incidentally I would imagine what's the connection between the two why were they put on together yeah that I was wondering I hope Steve Google that Bellamy uh,
2: was massively influenced by Davy I think one yeah. of the pieces in here is a portrait of Davy by Bellamy Okay. and he did sort of like look up to him uh, a lot although you know not radically different and sort of thematically very similarly informed uh, in terms of looking at the ideas of uh, spiritualism and shamanism and uh, sort of magical ideals hence the title of the show
1: yeah and certainly some of the pieces you would have to look it up find out which one it was they're not labeled individually no um and sometimes it's unclear which one yeah generally is. the, it's the, the Bellamy is more figurative and yeah. the
2: davies a little more well and just in terms of the ways of working as well just reading the catalog uh you know davy works in a similar way to pollock where he has the canvases on mm. the floor and he's dropping paint onto it and doing a much more active uh taking and apparently had a few would have a few pieces on the go at the same time in the studio would have like three or four pieces um, and like do different bits of work and according to his mood because he was very he was sort of uh, fascinated by the idea of uh, automatic painting essentially so the idea that you sort of enter a trance-like state and try and free yourself from any sort of conscious ideas about what the image should be and just sort of channel that into the work itself. Which I think is quite you know, it's certainly an interesting way to go about your work. But I mean, having said that, looking at the work you can see there are definite shapes and ideas that he's obviously, you know, incorporated into and then part of that process that he he titled it at the end when you sort of see what part of it I thought
1: that was quite interesting in that he titled it afterwards. Mm. So it wasn't necessarily a distinct path or something he was no, aiming for. No. Absolutely Just like not. what does that look like? Yeah at the end.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what what part of this speaks to me the most and what do I wanna draw out?
0: To make what's probably an obvious point of comparison or misguided, one of the two, imagine. It's not going to be insightful, is it, Steve? <laughs> um, it reminded me of uh, Basquiat.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. you know, obviously Basquiat is a sort of much bigger name, he? but this uh, predates that by a few couple of decades. Yeah, right?
2: and the really interesting thing was I didn't come to Basquiat immediately. The first thing that struck me generally was like a lot of this looks like graffiti, um, just in terms of the, the finished piece. I don't, but then I was looking at the dates and thinking, well, it's not really a thing where graffiti art, in the terms of we we think of it, um, which dates you know from nineteen seventies New York, essentially, I guess. Yeah, um, that's
0: definitely what you think of, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That whole thing of like you know, a, a, you know, a, a subway train completely covered in in paint. But I think the interesting thing there is, although obviously, again, that's not going to be a conscious decision on Davies' part. Once you are layering paint and images over each other which is something he did and something that happens with graffiti as part of the process you are going to get similar sort of visual shapes coming out I guess so it's quite interesting this idea of and I think you know he'd be quite pleased with that as someone looking to tap into things beyond the conscience and current you know he would love the idea of him tapping into like the collective human unconscious and picking up on images and ideas that become you know cultural currency 20-30 years down the line What I'm saying is he actually was a shaman, and he definitely did magic with his patience. Do you feel that the title Cradle of Magic lived up to your expectations, Steve? It didn't, no, but I think uh, it's it's good that it didn't live down to my expectations, because I was hoping for something with very obvious magical imagery that I would recognise. I didn't get that, but instead I got something new and different that I think was much more valuable. I mean, the thing is, like, if, a sh- if I go to a show and it fulfills every idea I have of it, it can't be a good show, can it? Because so I don't make any art. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing can happen is you go to a show and you go, this is exactly what Steve Walsh thought he was going to do.
0: John Bellamy is the other artist that's exhibited here.
2: And uh, a man with some South London connections. Um, obviously, as part of this show, and in terms talking. of the gallery yeah. show, uh, because I, I, I'd imagine chosen because uh, of the sort of scenarios and theme in, in the works, but also the fact that one was a huge influence um, on the other. But uh, Bellamy did more teaching than uh, Davey and taught at Croydon College of Art um, and Goldsmiths. So right. Yeah. Um, he also, uh, just on a personal note, um, I think the last major exhibition of his work was Fortnum and Mason. Oh, a really? department store in Piccadilly that I used to work at but after I uh, worked there but it was nice just to I sort mean, of... That's what we call a tenuous South A man from South London works works
1: <laughs> in this place So yeah, as we sort of touched on uh, John Burnley's work is much more figurative and there's a lot more recognisable imagery in there although it's still abstract in terms of its composition and there's some there's a lot of fish in there <laughs> well
2: that's the interesting one isn't it like we talk about his work being more figurative but like again reading from the catalogue and looking at the pieces one of his sort of projects that he did for a while was basically going around the galleries of london and painting sort of work renaissance work from the great masters but reinterpreting that so one of his pieces here is the crucifixion and it's essentially free fish nailed to a wall as opposed to three men now to cross so it's figurative in the sense of like they're definitely fish but also still obviously he's put his own spin on things
0: so what are your thoughts on the exhibition guys
2: i enjoyed the Davy more than i thought i would i sort of went into it thinking with a lot of abstract stuff i do struggle i have to sort of like try and find a hook but as i say uh, i think it struck me as well in there was just the idea, I think, of looking at abstract images has got to be good for your brain, hasn't it? It's got to be like activating parts of your brain that aren't normally activated. So even if I'm not getting something... And again, he probably would be pleased with this sort of view of his work. Even if I'm not getting something directly from it, as in I recognise this and I know what it is, the fact that I'm looking at it and thinking about it has got to make me think in a different way than I do normally. So I got a lot out of that, normally. I thought I would. And uh, with the Bellamy, I did enjoy it... Um, yeah, it was very sort of folk art mm. feel to me, quite sort of, quite naive, but with enough sort of detail. I mean, he's clearly a very skilled painter, I'm not doing him down, but like, he left me a little more cold than the, the Davy, And I, that surprised me, I thought it would be the other way around.
1: Yeah, I think certainly abstr- more abstract art always kind of dates better, because there isn't any sort of,
2: it's less comparison, comparison points. So he dated well, in 30 years later, he looked contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I enjoyed the, the, the Davy more than the, the Bellamy. Sometimes the Bellamy felt a bit on the
2: nose um, in its sort I've, of metaphors. I've got to say, my, my least favourite piece in the whole thing, and this is going to sound quite crass to say it, but uh, Bellamy's work took a, a darker turn, apparently, after a visit to... Uh, Buchenwald, I think the concentration. That's camp. Right, Yeah. And there's a piece in here, and it is clearly informed by that. And it's people in striped pajamas against the wall, and clearly um, him thinking about um, you know concentration camps and and that torturous life. But the piece is called Pourquoi, with like a question mark, which is obviously French for why. And like if it was just called Why. That seems a bit six form to me, and like then doing it in French seems like it's sort of like oh this feels a bit six form, but six form try hard.
1: I put six form. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Sixth Ad- form advanced was, art was
1: definitely uh, a word that came to my uh, uh, mind mm. seeing some of it. But like only
2: really that for me. That was one that really sort of bothered me where I was like absolutely, you know, try and channel your thoughts and feelings on the Holocaust into uh, a painting and do something interesting But like drawing a painting of concentration camp. Uh, internees and calling it port quoi just seemed like it seemed like something out of a satire which is always a concern with modern art or any sort of art i think really isn't it the idea of like it feels like someone's making a joke out of it yeah i'd, I'd say that was one that sort of rubbed me up the wrong way i think yeah that lived down to my worst expectations of going to any gallery show
0: i almost oh. can't Talk about these sort of exhibitions without talking about the way I experience modern art as a whole. Yeah, like I can't really answer the question. Like, did you enjoy it? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, I didn't really enjoy the Bellini particularly, the Davy more so, but in this sort of in quite a specific way. I think we'll probably come to it um, when we talk about past exhibitions in a minute. Cradle of Magic runs until the first of September uh, at the Newport Street Gallery on Newport Street. Free to get in, and it's open Tuesday to Sunday, 10 until 6. In a way, Owen, it's quite fitting to have you on this episode, I think. You're an artist and a storyteller who, a writer, who has come via architecture rather than classical art training. Yeah. And this building is, uh, when I have a visit here, it's, the architecture almost has a I'm almost here as much for the architecture as I am for the art. Should we talk about the building for a moment? Let's. So it's Damien Hurst Gallery, we should say. Yeah. Probably the most famous uh, British modern artist. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Easily, isn't it? He's a sort of byword for.
2: You'd have to say sort of like the biggest one is the one who buys a building to put his modern art in because <laughs> he's made so much money selling his own art. and that like, If you own all the other people's art and you put it on display, you've won. That's how art works. <laughs> mm. And it's also his offices
1: and headquarters, isn't it? Um, oh, is that right?
2: Well, it looks like it's sort of residential, or I guess it must be a space. Towards the end of the building, there's something that clearly isn't gallery space. And I just wondered, while he was putting together, he just sort of built an apartment for himself. Because why not? There was a shop
0: there on the corner that's since gone. Um, And they've sort of, I guess they just sell enough stuff out of the the lobby. But it used to be its own dedicated gift shop. Oh yeah, I do Um, remember that, yeah. So you didn't
2: exit through the gift shop, you had to go to another shop. You had
0: to exit and then go back into the gift (laughs) shop and out again. (laughs) It's not as good of a title, is it? (laughs) So Damien Hurst said, I felt guilty owning work that's stored away in boxes where no one can see it having a space where I can put on shows from the collection is a dream come true which I mean it's nice that people still have dreams like that in it rather than just
2: buying loads of yeah the of worst Ferraris. thing that can happen with any sort of art or work of culture importance is that it goes into a private collection and just goes into someone's hallway
0: I mean this is speculative but I mean they must be losing money here I mean wherever you come <laughs> in there, there's like there's like five or six gallery staff and there's I mean it's free to get in there's no there's not Often a lot of visitors, right? I think that's fair to say. I know sat Saturday, Sunday morning, but I've been was various say, times. Yeah, not come peak time, have we? No. So let's get back to the architecture. The drinks though.
2: are reasonably priced as well. So he's not like bumping up uh, the price of a flat white just for the sake. Nah. The yeah. food,
0: though, is a bit more. But again, it's pretty empty for a Sunday. I mean, it's peak brunch time, isn't it?
1: Have you
2: eaten here?
0: I haven't. <laughs> I've looked at the food menu. <laughs> okay. um, so let's talk about the Sawtooth Reefo. Yeah,
2: it's an incredible space, isn't it? Um, it was... Uh, a theatre carpentry and scenery storage unit so obviously the space that you would need it's essentially like a massive warehouse I guess isn't it and whoa, warehouse whoa, whoa. And workshop
0: well Peter St John do you know him? I mean, yeah. the architect says they're not warehouses oh. he said it in that tone <laughs> 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 they're not warehouses he's, he's sick of hearing from the people like me. they're very special listed scenery painting workshops
2: right but what I mean is you'd need you know high ceilings I, mean, I bet they would get a bit of warehouse in there as well <laughs> So yeah, you imagine it would be a gift for an architect to sort of get that sort of open space, like structurally sound open space inside for you then to sort of work around, fill in, and like you know they've done a tremendous job of it, haven't they? It's a beautiful space, yeah, yeah. Any staircases you like, Jack?
0: Both of them, two. <laughs> two <laughs> that them. you can think of from the top All of your head. Yeah. <laughs> two, please.
2: Well,
1: it's um... how would you describe it? I suppose it's a kind of.
2: Modernist, very clean, isn't it? It
1: certainly um, has sort of modernist principles, um, but in know, slightly more sort of contemporary way, as opposed to like the pure, pure kind of modernism. It's 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 not dissimilar to the um, uh, sort of the and the Modern Tate, um, Tate Modern uh, approach in that they've they worked with an original form and then made kind of contemporary installations and changes to it, and the sawtooth roof is sort of instantly
0: iconic I guess that mm. was the idea wasn't it
1: yeah and I suppose that's referencing the the previous I don't remember what the previous roof looked like but mm. I assume it was like a kind of factory esque building and which has those kind of sawtooth I thought you were going to say
2: referencing the saws that they used to uh, in the carpentry workshops well, to maybe. make the <laughs> <if we wanna laughs> <it>
0: properly yeah uh. <laughs> and so the stairwells which we mentioned I saw something online about uh, it wouldn't have been possible to do to have made those stairwells until a few years ago. Can you enlighten me as to why? I mean?
1: um, I would imagine because you're working in so many dif- the materials, working in different planes, in that it's not just it's a very much a three-dimensional. I mean, I know all things are three-dimensional in architecture, but like because it's not made of individual elements, those pieces, like the uh, the formwork of like the concrete terms I assume that's been made or at least constructed digitally and then sort of that's way how you can make the mould right. to then to then create the form historically if it was made out of stone you'd construct it like a sculpture and kind chip it out but to, uh, to create that form work I assume that's done digitally I don't know I'm yeah, guessing yeah. Yeah. won enough.
2: the um, Reba Sterling Prize in 2016 it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. There's only one of those each year. That's the top one. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Is
0: that like the uh, BAFTA for Best yeah. Building? Yeah, it's yeah, like the Best Building Award, isn't it, yeah. each
2: year, isn't it? But, like, you sort of look at it and go, yeah, I mean, outside looks remarkable, inside looks incredible, fulfils its purpose completely, honours uh, the original sort of space that you would have had inside.
1: I'd sort of forgotten that it had, it had won, actually. In some ways, I'm quite surprised that it did, because it's quite subtle. It's not hmm. like um, a big show stuff in peace and its location means you have to sort of look for it it's and it's not like a big skyscraper
2: i guess the thing is like is it a case of it being like you know the shard something that's iconic and transforms the you know skyline or the fact that as you say it's required rethinking how they're producing and designing interior spaces so is it the you know the innovation Above uh, the sort of bombast. uh, Yeah, definitely. And that's how
1: things should be Mm, Um, evaluated. Does it succeed in fulfilling its own brief? Um, But as we know with awards, not always the right thing wins. (laughs) And I don't know what else was nominated that year. I don't remember. But um, it feels like
2: quite a subtle winner, Mm. um, which I'm awful. Mm. Mm. I like a subtle winner, famously. (laughs) Damien Hirst's private collection is called the Murder Me Collection. Which seemed again a bit sort of like six form minute. I didn't know that you got to name your collection. I thought it was just. I think you can do anything, can't you? Yeah, sure. Well, he, he just it writes
0: that on the box.
2: I think he just sort of, you know, that's his you know, Google Drive uh, title for <laughs> the. <laughs> names of all the pieces he's got in it. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of the concept of
1: naming my own collection. Yeah,
2: go for it. Because the look at it, it's just referred
1: to as, you would have thought it been referred to as the Damien Hurst collection, Yeah. in that that's the guy who's collecting the stuff. And, that's, and to give it a title it seems to suggest that the collection is sort of outside of his taste. Like it has a different brief to it rather than what I he suppose would you like. You could
2: argue that, like, once you sort of engage with work like that like curatorially, it becomes something else. So he's almost like created a new piece of work from the pieces that he's bought. So that is now the Murder Me collection. Yeah.
0: Do you know what our collection's called? No. The Charmin Archive. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You've said how it's a bit not off they say off the grid off the radar, but it's not the most obvious place to put a gallery.
2: I'd never heard of it, so you told me to come here. A large one
0: <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time on this street as a teenager, weirdly. um A friend of mine lived on this road um in one of the council flats down the end. So when it sort of sprang up and I was sort of, hang on a minute, there's a, there's a gallery on Paul Martin's road. <laughs> the first short film I ever made, which I can't really repeat the title now because it would probably be interpreted as Avalist in 2019. We shot it on this road, part of it, because this guy lived, he was in it and he lived down the other end of the road. Nice little segue to promote my web series, Steve, Gloss, which you can see at glosswebseries.com or Glosswebseries.com. Go on Vimeo or YouTube on your TV and type it in. They can watch it straight on the TV. Owen, I'd like to catch up with you. Between the billboards, it's still available, isn't it, from Avery Hill Publishing?
1: Very much so. Yeah, more available now than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Pomeroy is available. <laughs> that uh, that came out in 2015. Um, we're now at time of record, 2019. <laughs> so what have I done since then? Uh, Victory uh, Motel which came out between then sold out
0: yeah Victory Motel great let's talk about that Steve I've just been reminded that I mentioned that on the last show but it's great and it really um, one of the best things you've done Owen really captures something about relationships and life and I mean I hope there'll be a digital version soon that people can buy should they go to com and keep checking
1: they should yeah and follow the social media and you, you know for all all the hot
0: updates Mm. I mean, I'm willing to let my copy go for £35. <laughs>
2: <so>. <laughs> but since then, as well, uh, a piece of art I know we've both read and enjoyed Kiosk. Oh, yeah, it's of course, shelves, yeah, Kiosk. Yeah. Which is uh, a wonderful mm. piece. I picked up my copy at the Catford Comic and Zine Cat. But I'm in Pomeroy. Best way to do it, it? Right. If you can. Go straight to the You van get there. to see his face as well.
0: A couple of prints available at the moment as well, so they're
1: all available on the website. It's, it's all there. It's all there. And also my next book, uh, British Ice, will be coming out January next year, 2020.
2: Recent endorsement from Warren Ellis, which is uh, a pretty big deal in the UK comics. Isn't? That was quite surprising. Mm. I sort of stumbled
1: across that information.
2: A nice surprise. It was, yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, he's got a cracking cover. He was taken by that when he. He
2: was? Literally cracking as well. Beautiful, beautiful. You haven't lost
0: your touch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've been up to much, Steve? Just sort of digging holes or whatever in Ireland? (laughs) (laughs) What do you do all day?
2: (laughs) Uh, I've started work in uh, an Eason's, which is basically the Irish version of W.H. Smith's. So. I applied for the job with my CV of extensive retail and bookselling and also included my nomination package put together by Andrew Gosh for Bookseller of the Year a couple of years back. And in the interview, it was made very clear to me that books represent 20% of the store's turnover and I wouldn't be doing (laughs) (laughs) bookseller. And I was like, that's absolutely fine, I'll do anything. Um, But yeah, it's a a nice little place. Uh, uh, Since I've gone out of one, I've uh, managed to inherit two dogs. Uh, and I've got a back garden now so what I do a lot of the, not a lot of the time but quite regularly and I never would in London is sit in the back garden uh, and just watch the dogs play and watch birds come to the Murphy's. We who hooded crows in the back garden Hooded crows can you believe it
0: and you're working at Avery Hill Publishing now Steve yeah doing so a you're few... keeping yourself on the links aren't you what good recent releases are there at averyhillpublishing.com and all good bookshops
2: uh, well, uh, if you go to uh you'll see our current releases, but also this year, some very exciting things uh, coming out. Walking Distance
1: from Lizzie
2: Stewart, which is a wonderful meditative visual essay on contemporary life in London, particularly from uh, a woman's point of view. Uh, we've also got uh, Desolation Wilderness from Claire Scully, which is a follow-up to uh, internal Wilderness, which is a book from uh, a couple of years back. Really interesting series where she does uh, these sort of again meditative landscape uh, drawings. The first book were uh, drawings she basically just imagined, like landscapes she'd imagined and drawn. And the second one is a sort of visual diary of a visit to a place called Desolation Wilderness, which is sort of on the uh, California, Nevada. Uh, border in America and there's like a place you can go a, a part of it where you go and there's just crystals scattered along the ground so sort of magical place but yeah lots of um, interesting things coming from Avery Hill as always if
0: that piques your interest maybe visit holdfastnetwork.com and listen to Signals on the Hill Steve's Avery Hill publishing podcast and you can also hear Sherds there and Forward the Hamlet and
2: Talking Musicology
0: yeah Dig into the archive. Look at the South London Hardcore Archive. Anyway, I thought we should get back on with the show and talk about past exhibitions. So the gallery opened in 2015, although he, he had it since 2002. The building, Damien Hurst and it opened with a Jeff Koons exhibition, which I imagine is probably the biggest one they've done. Even it's a still, idea, isn't it? yeah, um, there was a BBC show uh, where Kirsty Walk. Interviewed is that the Scottish lady's name, Did you? interviewed Jeff. Say Scottish lady's name, I mean, <laughs> other Scottish <laughs> uh, ladies are available. No, nah, right? her man, Desert on this, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: that's Kirsty Young. Oh. see, this is the problem. <laughs> no, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, no, no, it was walk though. Oh, right. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm hearing the different accents now. One's from Grangemouth, right? <laughs> so, I took Xavier to see that, my daughter, who was, um, I guess she was three at the time, six now. And, uh, you know, they had loads of his big hits, really. You know, basketballs floating in water, some hoovers hanging up and stuff.
2: Big silver balloon-like gogs and stuff. Yeah,
0: enormous. Um, it had a big pile of Play-Doh, probably like 11-foot... Wait a minute, it was, I'm reading it here. <laughs> Aluminium Play-Doh, which is why I brought my daughter... Um, but it also had some inflatable flowers, and as we came in, I sort of took my arms over for a moment, and she went to grab this—I uh, think this this uh, inflatable flower that he, you know he probably paid six dollars for. But one reason <laughs> it sold for two hundred thousand pounds, and I sort of that to grab her before she touched it. Um, since then. Not to be outdone by his sister, my son Marlow touched a Van Gogh the other day at the Tate. You know, one of the—I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was uh, not the Starry Night, but the similar one. You know, one of the most valuable paintings in the world. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, To be yeah. honest, he's done well to get that close. Uh, Wasn't yeah. he apprehended by security? Paul the blind eye. <laughs> <ain't> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> That's very much, you know.
0: Shut the gate after the horses bolted, didn't it? Big time, but that's over the river in the Tate at the moment, Van Gogh. Yeah,
2: just, just smash it off, and forget, 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 forget <laughs> it. Yeah,
0: but you know the Jeff Koons exhibition, um, and I'm not sure if it was the, the the enormous balloon animal. I mean, it was a world record for a for a living artist, fifty eight million dollars it sold for. I don't think it was that one. It was a variation on it, but that I believe has since been broken by David Hockney, hasn't it? As I'm right in saying, since, we, since, we, uh, since I wrote these notes... David um, Hockney, very much the Milo Mackinac of the contemporary art world. <laughs> my friend Phil Root, who's a painter and a potter, I suppose. Is there not? I mean, depending on he does pottery. Yeah, I think yeah. both of those work. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't make it for you to drink out. I think you meant to put it on the mantelpiece. <laughs> when my sister was going to university, I asked him if he had any tips for her. And he said, because he, he studied art at... Um, I forget where, but he studied art somewhere. And his tip was to bring something massive that you can sort of barely get in the door and they have to make concessions for you to bring it.
1: <laughs> <That> was, <Impact. laughs>
0: He said that works, you can oh, get in a, a prestigious University place. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring something so big. And I feel like Coons has sort of made a career out of that.
2: <laughs>
1: I think that's quite accurate actually. But I think it's the same can be said for a lot of his ilk. I mean that's sort of part of the point, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. To do something so outrageous that someone's going to look at it and they're going to think something about it. And
2: then well, it's also the, the sort of rise of the installation, isn't it? That's a big part of modern art. The idea of installations right. as opposed to you know cam- works on canvas or you know simple pieces that stand on on their own thing. And yeah.
1: is it Instagrammable? Is the is it Bob and Roberta Smith who do the
2: does, big yeah. sort of pieces? They one where it was like. Uh, basically just a big mound of rubbish but then its silhouette forms something else against all but that sort of thing is like you know what a nightmare that must be
0: well that kind of links into uh, what we were saying about modern art so i watched the shock of the new i thought i probably spoke do you know it might have been between doing the Tate modern episode and now I watched The Shock of the New. I might have even before, and if I repeat it myself, I apologise to Steve, to everyone apart from you. <laughs> but it gave me a new uh, appreciation of modern art. Not necessarily a love for it, though. Yeah. So I now go into exhibitions, and I don't have. You know, have you ever been to a. Like, I went to the Pompidou Centre once with uh, Rob Pollard, I'll name him. He's been <laughs> on the show. And he was making derisive comments about um, about some sort of. Some dubious art, should we say, and it's sort of an experience. I've never told him that, but now I know. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but, you know, you kind of have to go in, you have to sort of suspend your disbelief almost. You go in and, and, and approach it in a different way. And I've also, one sort of revelation for me, really, was that the plaque is part of the show. Do you know what I mean? So you listen to a piece of music, and afterwards, you know, it's called The Planets... And that, you know what I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of incidental to it almost, you know what I mean, you kind of experience the thing, or you watch like a, like a, a film, and if there is some subtext, you know, you can kind of enjoy, not enjoy it without it, but you know what I mean, it kind of like, you enjoy the thing, whereas I find with a lot of this stuff, the stuff that, the stuff, that, the, literally the stuff that Hurst is putting in these galleries, you kind of read the... Like, this is a comment on the Armenian genocide with, uh, you know, safety pins representing the people or whatever. And I go in knowing that and I get someone out of it. And I, in the past, I've sort of resented the fact that I have to know that to appreciate it. You know what I mean? You put on a Hendrix record, you know, you're getting caught up in the solo. You don't need to... They don't need any extra information about the Vietnam War although that might add to it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with this, I've sort of come to accept that as part of it and the thing it's kind of purporting to do is part of it, do you know what I mean? And like, if the fact that, you know, there's a real extreme example in, in the Gavin Turk exhibition where there was a pile of bin bags, which I you have to assume is a comment on um, well, I was assuming logical. Oh, okay. Well, I, my interpretation I was more about the it. fact that you, as a joke, you say like, well, there's a, a yes. pile. You know, this is a summer. You know, you go into these galleries, there's a pile of bricks or whatever. You know, like anyone could have dumped this. <laughs> oh, I've never sworn on the podcast before. I'll just beat that out. Um, <laughs> But, you know, in this case, it's the most extreme example of just, it literally yeah. is rubbish. Maybe that wasn't what he was going for. <laughs> but do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it kind of, I think they were cast in iron or something as well. Okay. I don't know, but what are you guys' thoughts sort on of those av- things? your own
1: interpretation of that, that's fine. Mm. I mean, that's kind of the point. I i, I agree that some things only work with their explanation, but there's also no. the, the opposite of that. Something's just, sometimes something's very pleasing to look at, and you're enjoying it, and you read what it represents that you know, like, like, hasn't added to it, if anything it's detracted from it, and, like I was just enjoying it for its form and, and, and so forth so I think it's a case by case more than anything it's also fine for it just to not affect you Yeah,
2: not everything's necessarily yeah. going to tickle something in no, it.
0: the trouble is though is that the stuff wasn't affecting me and I sort of, I want to go in and engage with art and I'm sort of trying to find a way trying to find a way in do you know what I mean like okay. i'm not moved by paintings in the way that i'm moved by other things so i'm trying to like take an extra step it is free galleries are free isn't it yeah so yeah. i'm trying to maximize my
1: but universally <laughs> that was a
0: universal response to all different types mm, not qu- not exactly but a bit do you know what I mean? Like, like the way, like I, oh, I love films and music and stuff. I don't love any paintings the way I love my favourite books and films and music and stuff. Do you see what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steve?
2: I say, like my, my thing now, particularly going into anything. It, especially if I know it's going to be abstract in its nature, I go in and just try and be as free and open as possible and just sort of... Is that
0: why you take your clothes off?
2: <laughs> <laughs> also, if they're not going to start the temperature in these places... No, um, thank you for the laugh. <laughs> the um, No, as I say, I, I went in uh, today sort of thinking I'm just going to let this wash over me and as I say, the thing I, I found very interesting was just... It's got to shape your brain and thoughts in that way. Even if you're not conscious of it, like it's going to be sparking synapses that aren't being sparked if you're not looking at it. So, I think it's. I just find it sort of very sort of relaxing, and I think it's sort of mentally healthy to do this, but not in a necessarily, you know, from the sound of things, I don't, you know, I can't obviously speak to your experience, but it sounds like you're stressing yourself out. You're going in worked up, sort of like I'm ready to appreciate art. Ah, I bet it's got to be the worst way to go into yeah. art. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do, of, but it's not. You're quite approaching like obviously. the Olympics. No, not exactly, <laughs> but like, do you know what I <sighs> mean? You're sort of um, yeah, it's
0: like it, medicine for me. Yeah, it feels I like you're sort of get my art in me, but it that's feels my like my you're going duty. in. There.
2: Uh, and you're just sort of like looking into the mirror sort of American Psycho style and it? just sort of like I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready to engage in art mm. get ready to do some art and then you're going into it hyped whereas I'm sort of going and mm. going I wonder what, you know I've got some ideas based on the title and like what yeah. I've read about the artist but I'm like let's see what it's about and just let yeah. it wash over you
1: I can't remember who did the famous quote now but it's like the art's what happens between in the space between you and the object so your response to it is as much part of the piece as yeah. anything
0: yeah. else. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm grappling with. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't have a good time. Like I go I to go, like it goes for someone that sort of sort of doesn't love painting. So I mean, it sounds like ridiculous to say it aloud, but I go like a, a lot. Like right. I'm always, I mean, I live very close to the Tate now, and the you know Britain, and I go. I, I mean, it's great. And there are some pieces in there like you know. Frederick Layton, an athlete wrestling with a python. Love that. I, you know, not as much as I love The Big Lebowski, though. That's all I I'm saying. My, my thing with galleries and museums is
2: I just love the immersive nature of it. Like, yeah, me too. And the space, you know. I, I was at the um, V&A on Friday, and I went specifically because like, one of my favourite sort of spaces in any sort of museum or gallery in London is the Cast Court at the V&A, which is essentially um, castings of... Uh, you know, iconic buildings and structures from around the ancient world. But the nice thing about it is, as opposed to the British Museum, rather than nicking it and bringing it back, they just copied it and bought the copy. So it's sort of like feels quite sort it's of a piracy, th- isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's guilt-free watching. Yeah, supposedly. exactly. Yeah, you sort of like nothing was was no no art was harmed in the production of this. <laughs> it's like cast. pirate
0: in a BBC show.
2: But they've opened up um, <laughs> their, their cast of uh, Trajan's Column, so you can go into. It's a copy of Trajan's Column, but still you get to go. But like just going around the v particularly the Court, I find it immersive but not overwhelming. It's such an odd sort of space to walk through and I find that incredibly sort of energising. Oh, absolutely. Without, you know, knowing a great deal about classical architecture or the, the particular cultural context of these places and spaces, I can still find it really sort of invigorating. And that's how I approach today in a similar sort of uh, vein.
0: Yeah, and when the amount of public spaces there are free public spaces is sort of shrinking
2: but even harking back to our episode at Tate modern um i remember there was like a a sort of installationy performance piece in the turbine hall where every so often they had people who were moving through the space in a particular way and it's
0: pretty rubbish i remember it it annoyed (laughs) you a lot
2: and i I really enjoyed it and it was the thing was i didn't necessarily know the message was or everything, but it was a thing where the, the space was constantly transforming. I could appreciate it on that basis. I was like, this is really interesting to me that this space is constantly in flux. Whereas I think you were just sort of like, what are they playing
0: uh, With yeah. the tape Modern, my problem is that there were all these spectacular exhibitions in the first sort of I don't know ten years that it was open, and then as soon as I started going, it was all just like as a swing. I have seen people walking around. There's no sun there anymore. You know, there's sun for like a million sunflower seeds or whatever. It just seems like their glory days are behind them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I've missed these good... I'm waiting for something where it's like that again, and it just doesn't seem to come.
1: Man. Again, that's a personal response.
0: I, well, I thought they'd sort of made a... They've, they've sort of had a different philosophy now. They don't seem to go for the headline stuff anymore. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I don't know. I think there's... A, well, there's... Um, a danger in chasing the yeah. headlines yeah. as well mm. like yeah. creating yeah. spectacle art to get the numbers through the door I no to one's to work, like if <laughs> you're already getting the numbers mm. then you sort and of and they are
2: still maintaining they're still the most popular yeah. visitors exa- in london exactly, yeah. exactly. so if you're already getting people through the door then actually yeah then
1: you sort of owe it to the world to do something more challenging or subvert expectation or so i don't know if that's their policy or philosophy but maybe that's wrong so as I say, I've been a few times. Uh,
0: Martin Edes kind of kit—is that what it's called? That yeah was kind of kit, sort yeah. of a sort of parody kitsch paintings, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, we came,
0: to, know, we came to see that. And we were going to do an episode then, but Steve didn't realise we were going to do an episode. I, and could, it was... but I didn't.
2: Oh, I didn't. Uh, I for some reason I thought I don't need to do any research. I was just going to talk about the show. And then Jack was like, "What do you think about the history of the building?" And I was like, "I have no idea about the history. Of the building. Like, That's unlike me, isn't it?" That is unlike you. Chance to go for a Wikipedia
0: page. Rusty, um, <laughs> but that would, that wouldn't have been the best exhibition to talk about. I mean, in a way, I feel like it's a shame that we've come when it's an exhibition of paintings rather than having the more conceptual stuff. But but it's so some of it's so abstract that. Actually, it, it's been you know, it's been a good chat. I've yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, but that would have been a great one to talk about, I don't think, Steve. Would it?
2: I, I I got very little out of that. As I say today, you know, particularly the abstract stuff, I can really sort of let it wash over me. I can really sort of not engage with it in terms of like think about it fully, but sort of get something out of it. Whereas I come with the EDS stuff. A lot of it was very repetitive in terms of the imagery. The, the sort of work itself, as you say, kitsch is probably my... my uh, similar with Coons, I get very little, nothing out of it. I'm, I'm sure, I've never seen any of it live. Oh, I have, actually. Um, and like the scale of it does sort of impress you. And I sort of like try and imagine the process of casting it and whatnot. But it just doesn't really grab me or let me sort of... Or, or let it sort of wash over me in any particular way. And with, yeah, with the Adair thing, I think we would have struggled to have a, a similar sort of conversation about the work itself. I wouldn't have had a great deal to say about it. Do you remember
0: the Ashley Bickerton exhibition we went to see Owen?
2: I do remember that, yeah. What do you think of that one?
0: I didn't like that either, actually. It got very little out of it. With Coons, it's just, so... Just
2: quickly, as someone who's never heard of Ashley Bickerton, could you give us a little pricey on what kind of work it is? That particular show was very
1: technological,
2: uh, to use the full word. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But there, was, <laughs> but there was also quite a lot of nautical sort of mm. uh, references. There was um, there was a lot of materi- materials and craft were a big part of it. So there was a lot of kind of plastics and metals and had a huge amount of workmanship. Mm. So it's items rather. There than were, well, there were yeah. some
0: shark. There was a few different things. There were some sharks hanging up that had like boat parts, right? And with, like yeah. you say, with different fabrics and stuff. i yeah. remembering that correctly.
1: I want to say there was a shark sort of wearing a wetsuit. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was that kind
1: of thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Not a human wetsuit. One that had been looked like it had been crafted for a shark. Right. If mm. I'm remembering correctly, but it was like, yeah. it was almost like they were fictional objects that had been created with kind of care and um, sort of intensity, of yeah. like, a, a, like an actual thing.
2: Yeah, as if it had been yeah. commissioned to yeah. operate as a wetsuit for a shark. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that kind of thing.
0: Do you remember being moved by the exhibition yeah. at all?
2: Not really. No, I quite like,
1: cause It was. It was very industrial in terms of like the materials and things. And I actually have quite a penchant for the industrial, like aesthetic and those kind of materials and and like build quality and craftsmanship.
2: It's a precision to it, isn't it? Yeah. That you have to sort of so that, like, was, that was
1: all. I was very appreciative of that, but I felt like the way it was used wasn't particularly exciting. It sort of felt like yeah you've put the you' put the hours in to what end mm-hmm. a little bit because craft is a beautiful thing to behold when it's fulfilling its role so sort of perfectly um when you move that into an art context. I guess there's a kind of tension there, and that you've created an irrelevant object with the same level of sort of expertise and manufacture, but it didn't quite get me. Yeah, same, same, same.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, having not seen it, like, I think you're supposed to be thrilled by like explicit redundancy. Is that the sort of idea? You're like, oh, that does not need to exist, and like, art does not need to exist. Yeah, it exists, I don't know, but yeah. But- doesn't it doesn't
0: make me want to see an exhibition what's really? the uh, Babak Ganje quote art oh, is the thing nobody asks you to do is it is it
2: that yeah
0: that is one. also when I do it it's good when you do it it's not good <laughs> 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 we're gonna head off now cross the road to Beaconsfield and see what's going on over there that's an artist collective we'll get to that shortly so we went across the road to the Beaconsfield, but uh, unfortunately it's between shows. So we didn't see anything there, but it looks like it's worth a revisit. We had a vegetarian lunch, didn't we? I enjoyed mine very much. It was a feta and egg bake, peppers and stuff, some vegetarian sausages and bread. How was the black coffee, Owen?
1: Oh, it superb. Yeah, good
0: brew.
1: I think all that's left
0: is to say goodbye, really. Steve, you're going back to Ireland, are you?
2: Heading back in a couple of days, yeah. yeah. I'll be over again. Right, is that promise? <laughs> it's a solemn vow. It's a threat.